crazy high-pitched sounds with my device. And, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah? I, I can't hear a fucking thing right now. So, oh, yeah, nice. Everything okay. is good. Well, perfect. That'll be perfect. You don't have to hear yeah, any perfect. of the stupid things I say, and then you could just concentrate on what you're saying. <laughs> it just sounds like muffled silence. <laughs> oh, no. All right. Well, it's let's... all good. All right, welcome everyone. This is another episode of That Record Got Me High. I'm Rob Elba. Uh, I'd like to welcome you all to the show. It's great having you guys here. And we have a, a special guest calling in. This is early Sunday, my time. I'm doing this Sunday because it is 6 p.m. his time, all the way from Hanover, Germany. I'd like to welcome returning guest, Mr. Tom Smith. Welcome to the show, Tom Guten Tag, mein Herr. <laughs> Welcome back. Uh, you know him, you love him. Artist, musician, bon vivant, agent provocateur. Uh, to live in, <laughs> well, at times, to live and shave in LA, um, pussy galore, uh, a peach of immortality, and currently uh, the newest is the latest NH Meth is the latest project. Uh, yeah, NH Meth. Uh, even though the members are just basically to live and shave in L.A. without rat, I guess. Right. But, um, uh, yeah, NH Math and uh, Vaguely Normal, the thing I have with uh, Mr. Watts. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's called Vaguely Normal. Yeah, and that's like a brand new thing you're doing with Mr. Mike Watt, which that's, sounds that's, awesome. Yeah, that's newer. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, I was listening to it on the way back from my rehearsal space. On the way there, I was listening to our album today. And it's good too. I mean, it sounds uh, braggadocious and arrogant, but it's very good. So no, I, I hope somebody will, will like it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're allowed to say that though, and that's cool. Yeah, I guess you were on his show, right? His uh, he doesn't like to call them podcasts. I know he calls them internet shows or internet yeah. radio shows. Or something. Well, he, actually, he's transmitting with a typewriter, so yeah. that's how he does it. You know? I know, very low, very <laughs> low-fi, very DIY. But that's that's what he, he likes. Does not but... <laughs> like this modern world so much, but. Um, yeah, that's how we met, you know, on the show. And I just, you know, because we know some of the same people, I said, hey, why don't we? And he was like, okay. And it turned out really good. You know? Nice. So, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's great. All right. So we are here and we are here. I'm full uh, disclosure because, you know, as, as uh, listeners to That Record Got Me High know, we're all about being transparent. So me and Tom actually recorded an episode last week, uh, last Sunday. And Sunday, yeah. and we did it, and it it was fine. It came out fine. And uh, what are we? We actually didn't even mention yet. What is the uh, what is the band and album we are going to discuss? Oh yeah. So uh, I don't want to interrupt your train, but I'll just very quickly say the album is called Sub Narcotic, one word, and the band is called the Thirty Nine Clocks or Thirty Nine. Ah, okay. So you didn't see. I thought maybe you wanted to change it because you wanted to do a Scorpions after all. Uh, a Scorpions record. I but did no. <laughs> want to do a Scorpions, but in the, that's why I paused between 
the word the and 39 clocks because in that space i did the whole scorpion show oh okay <laughs> not much to say then about that uh, um, about a one second's worth that's right it. All right, so we did, so explain, Tom, there was nothing, like I said, the episode came out fine, there was nothing wrong with sound quality or anything, but what happened, like, that same evening after, because me and you, we did the episode, we talked about uh, the band, 39 Clocks, about the album, but we speculated, as we do a lot on the show, speculate a lot about the, uh, you know, band members, the writing of it, and maybe why they, you know, why they did certain things, we you know, that's what we do. We speculate. But what happened, yeah. Tom? What happened that evening? Well, the thing is, uh, earlier, actually, six hours before we began recording last week, I wrote to Jürgen Gloya, uh, who was one of the two members of 39 Clocks, uh, and said, because, you know, we know each other. And I said, uh, Jürgen, could you answer a couple of questions for me? And he never got back to me in time. Because he was busy. It, it, uh, how do I know this? Because he wrote back after the show <laughs> right. with the information. Of course. <laughs> and then we, we wrote a bit more last week. I also had a chance to write to uh, Christian Henyes, the other member of the band. Yes. And I've been in correspondence with, uh, with uh, Jürgen and, uh, mostly, though, this week. And he sent even more stuff, including a lot of press releases and reviews from back in the 80s. So now a lot of our speculation has, uh, there's no need for it because now we have the actual info. <laughs> right, right. And uh, that makes it a bit more interesting because now we can say with certainty that we actually got a lot of things right the first time. Uh, see, that's good. That's what I wanted to hear. I was hoping that. I was hoping you would say, you weren't going to say, Rob, we were totally fucking off base with that. No, no. <laughs> We were pretty much on target, you know. Okay, so let's, for those, for, uh, obviously no one's going to hear that original show uh, that we did, but uh, so a little uh, background on the band uh, from Hanover, Germany, uh, formed in 77, 1977, uh, original name, what was the original name, Tom? Killing Rats. There you go. And um, they had uh, their first album was called Paint, Paint it, it Dark. Yes, not Paint, Paint it, it Dark. Paint It Dark. And uh, this one came out in 83. Uh, no, uh, what 82. year? 82. 1982. Subnarcotic, yeah. Yeah, Subnarcotic. And then they split pretty much uh, a, a year later. By 83, they were done. Um, but, and, and then since then they've reformed once or twice, maybe done some things to, uh, yeah, together. A couple of times, I think. And right. now that's pretty much over, but he and Christian are obviously still in touch and I guess they're friends and, uh, yeah, that's not, which is nice to hear. And, and they're, yeah. so they're using their names because during the bands, uh, they were just known as CH 39 and JG 39. So just, that's the, right. uh, and they were, um, <laughs> so, so originally what were we saying? We were saying, obviously, um, young men, uh, influenced, uh, by the Velvet Underground and Suicide were the two, you know, more obvious influences that you could say, okay, well, these guys obviously love the Velvet Underground and love Suicide, but we also, you, uh, you know, once you dig into this record, you hear all sorts of other influences and all sorts of other things that they obviously love and are drawn to. Yeah, that's right. And, and, uh. Jürgen sent me an email. Uh, as part of that email, he said, you know, uh, yeah, Velvets, of course, and uh, Suicide, yeah, yeah, that's true. But uh, he said uh, what really first blew his mind was the very first 
uh, Rolling Stones concert on British TV that he could remember, oh. like around 65. Right. And it was brought, you know, obviously black and white. I think it was on uh, a Hamburg station. Yeah, I think I mentioned that, sorry. And yeah, he said that was really staggering for him. And remember a couple of times Joe and I said in the other, uh, the other recording we did, he sounds so much like... You know, this could be like a crypt compilation or something, you know? Yes, yes. It's like really dirty garage punk, the kind right, of stuff right, right. that John Spencer would play for me when I first joined Pussy Galore because he loved it so much. And he had all those crypt back from the grave compilations. Well, it turns out Jürgen was deeply influenced by the Nuggets compilation that came out in 1972. Oh, okay, yeah. That was Makes produced sense. by Lenny Kay and all those great songs were there. So... And they also knew psychedelia, uh, and they were also heavily influenced by punk, at least that initial explosive wave that swept through the whole planet, you know, and got a lot of young people really energized. Right. And, and then, I think they, yeah, go ahead, please. Well, so, and, and then uh, one thing that they did, which at the time was a bit subversive for a German band, was that they sang in English. Now, you know, if that had been 19... 19- 71, that would have not been subversive at all. They all sang in English. But starting with the Neue Deutsche Welle, which is uh, roughly equivalent uh, to No Wave in America, uh, those bands retook their language. And, you know, by those bands, I mean, I just the Neue about Deutsche Amerikanische Freundschaft, and then lots of others that most people don't know, but many might know, like... Mania Day, which later came Malaria, and uh, Pirulator, and the uh, Totalische Doris, and the uh, Plan, and I mean, there were hundreds of these bands. And most of them sang in German. They were really proud to take back their language from the squares, and right. the pop, uh, the, the high nose, and the Schlager singers. And right. Schlager's like the sort of very easy listening, middle of the road folk music. And, 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 and then, uh, and then yeah. also take it back from maybe you know their parents or their, that that maybe hadn't been you know uh, <laughs> that, that you know yeah, i mean uh, any kind of nazi association after world war ii right yeah with the old days of course they wanted to sweep that away naturally yeah of course as, as did people like joseph boys and you know all the filmmakers that were so brilliant coming like like fassbinder and all the rest from that time as well so right this was a this was a, a serious artistic movement but the 39 clocks i think they were even more subversive because right. they said fuck that and they sang everything in english right you know? which you would think oh that that they just did that because they wanted to be you know more successful property but no at the time that was considered no that was considered not the the, the thing <laughs> no. to do that was considered a real uh you know well, someone says, uh, you know, I, I sent some things along that Jürgen sent me to you, uh, of course, as you know. And uh, they were booed frequently. I mean, uh, right. like, you know, I saw Suicide at CBGB or maybe Max. I think it was CBGB's, but I saw them in 76. I'm even on that box set. You can hear me going, whoa! Oh, because nice. I, was, <laughs> I was like really freaking out. They were so great, you know. And uh, Alan was smiling at me because I got I understood what they were doing, but a lot of people were like, "You guys fucking suck." Of course, they hated they yeah they hated them because <laughs> it was so intense and noisy, and people wanted the Ramones, which I think for Suicide was like very conventional music. Right, right. Well, I think in their own way, the Thirty Nine Clocks uh, pissed people off, you know, because they weren't they didn't sound like 
the, the other Hanover Neue Deutsche Welle groups were the groups of that time. Right. Like the Kosmonautentraum, Cosmonauts Dream, or Hansaplast, to like a positive punk band, kind of like Penetration in England or something. But there were other bands that sang specifically in German, you know, and all, of course, all the very important bands from that time that did, uh, that were sort of lumped into the Neue Deutsche Welle did too. But these guys not only wrote in English, they sang in this wonderfully, like, mordant uh, English or American accent. Yeah, yeah. It, it, and they it, wrote it, really fucking great lyrics. Yeah, the and lyrics are great. And it's almost, and, and it's funny, it's listening to it, It to me, to my ears, it almost sounds like someone, you know, mocking a German person speaking English or, or overdoing it. But as you pointed out to me, no, this is just someone German speaking English. I mean, this is can be what they, you know, what, what it sounds like. Well, I do have a little experience. I yes. mean, you know, um, my parents, when I was young, said, dude, your music sucks, you know, but so you need a plan B, you know, go to yeah. university. So I became a teacher. I've been teaching. I started in Miami in 1991, right? I've been teaching for a long time. Um, so I, and then when I moved to Germany, I started teaching Germans how to speak English better. And uh, I worked for a school here and I've been doing it for 13 years. And I know what Germans sound like. And they sound a bit like this, and they make some mistakes. And, and that's just because their vowels and consonants are different, and they don't have certain diphthongs that we do, blah, blah, blah. So when these guys are singing, they're not putting on. I mean, they're, they're for real, but, but I love their delivery nonetheless because it's so matter-of-fact, it's so offhand, and that gives it even more strength because they're not screaming it out like it's super important, it's, and it hits you even harder because it's like, you know, make a, make a, make a sound you know and, 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 and it's just beautiful you know and and uh and it's also uh, one thing i always love and that's interesting to me is that when they a band that would at the time of of like punk would piss off the punks and that's what they did which is kind of like what suicide did do you know it's like oh it's God, like the yeah. you know punks were supposed to be you know doing their own thing and they're all but it's like if you could piss off your own supposed people and you're actually making them mad and pissing off then you're onto something special right <laughs> well, i mean isn't that the way it is and also one of the things that uh, always brought me back to this album I mean, i first heard it in, in athens in 82 at wax and facts you know their version of wax and facts there which is a store you know record store right. i don't even i don't even know if it still exists but somebody was listening to it in the store and i was like what the fuck is this you know I'd seen the first one, but it looked so kind of weird and low budget. I wasn't sure, and I didn't buy it right away. But I, this one, I was like, "Holy crap!" You know. But then when I got home with it, I was so excited. I thought it was going to be like all upbeat with a drum machine, a bit like Cabaret Voltaire, sort of, you know, right. adjacent, you know. Right. But then they started going off on these weird directions, and I was like, "What the fuck is this shit?" You know. Yeah. But like all great albums, on the second listen, you're like. This is really good. And by the third one, you're like, holy Jesus, this is great. And then it just keeps rewarding you every time you listen to it. Right. And um, yeah, that's interesting that you say that because I pretty much had the same, uh, you know, and I was wondering if like if you would say, oh, I got it right away. But no, because when I first when you first told me about it and I listened to it. 
Um, you kind of think at first, oh, okay, I see what they're doing. They're, they're, you know, singing in English. They're doing, you know, they're doing Velvet Underground, doing Suicide. But then you listen to it and you realize, no, but there's, you hear like, you hear like, uh, Can and Noi, you hear, uh, Perubu, you hear the Trogs, you hear the Fall, and you hear all these different things. And, and, uh, you hear the, the, the Psych and the Garage, you know, the, uh, the, the trashy, um, uh, you, you know, and you hear all these other things and you realize, no, it's not just this one thing. It's actually very, uh, there's so much going on that it's almost too much to take in. In uh, And like and like all the people that you have on the show and like all the people that you and I admire, uh, uh, sometimes we admire some of the same people, you know, but uh, like you think of Rat Bastard right away. It's like Rat is a deep fucking music head, you know, yes. uh, despite all the weird stuff about all of our personalities uh, we are all, especially the people that come on this show, deep fucking music heads. And we listen, we've listen. we listened to music very seriously for right. a long time. Right. And these guys in Hanover were listening to music very seriously. Yes. Uh, yeah, right, right. <laughs> and um, and uh, they, they knew their shit. And even, the, even if they couldn't play as well as they wanted to play, it came out in a different way. It didn't, it wasn't Steve Howe, you know, it, it was... Or some you know prog player who could play seven nineteenth notes, you know, with his eyes closed. It right. was something very uh, virulent, almost like something almost poisonous seeping from them. It was like powerful and influenced not just by music but by literature and film noir and getting drunk and going to parties and bars and and walking the streets at, at three in the morning. And, and, and having terrible shows where nobody gets what you're doing, but laughing about it with a bottle of wine with some beautiful girl later on in the evening. You know, that's like, that's what I hear when I hear this music. I hear people who are very steeped in culture and were trying to do it as best they could and lucked out with a really good engineer and made a second album that topped their first one. And to this day, it's their favorite. I, and I didn't know that until I was writing with the Jürgen a bit last week, you know. Oh, okay. I've, okay. I've so. only been to his flat once, you know, and uh, we're making arrangements to hang out soon. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, which is <laughs> Look cool. Look at that. That record got me high. Bringing people uh, together. Bringing all, people uh, together since 1785. <laughs> all right. So let's get into this album, uh, the uh, the one that got Mr. Tom Smith high. It's the Fuck first yeah. track, and it's called Heat of Violence. So uh, this is a uh, this is a really good opening track because you uh, kind of get a taste of what's to come. It's it's dar- obviously very dark, and you have the uh, drum machine with them, uh, you know, with them playing over it, 
and uh, also other instruments besides uh, guitars and bass, right? They got <laughs> they got a lot of stuff going on on this record. Yeah, they, they do. You know, Jürgen told me that, uh, uh, well, I'll, I'll wait to the song where it appears, but yeah, uh, they're playing like, uh, I think, melodicas here, you know, like two <laughs> melodica melodicas lines. all over this record, and That's it's great. That's so great. <laughs> and uh, yeah, they, they, uh, they really are surprising in their choice of instruments and the way they mix them. It's really fantastic. And again, the lyrics just right away, you know, the leather boots and greasy hair yes that, that <laughs> sets so much of a tone for the for the album and, the, and the, of course the great title of the, the right the great name of the song the title is fantastic so yeah it's heat a, of violence yeah i mean of violence. what more do you want from this what <laughs> more could you ever want from, from an album from that's Hanover. right and now yeah so so you move on and then obviously on this next one you hear suicide the suicide which i don't even know if that much i think suicide is more of an influence in just of how they were you know and just uh how uh, confrontational they could be and everything you know because they were the, their own world they're their own world i mean no one is like suicide really right yeah, and uh, that is very true. You know, uh, my girlfriend Claudia, of course, was a teenager at this time, and uh, she said that she never had a chance to see them. But she said, "Believe me, that thirty-nine clocks had fuck all to do with the Noia Deutsche Villa. They were in their own." Oh right, right, right. You know? <laughs> and I think that's that's pretty obvious too. You know? But they, she was. They were not aware of them, though. She was aware of them when she was. Oh yeah, though. yeah. Oh, I mean, okay. uh, Claudia was was uh, an avid. Uh, a concert goer from a pretty young age and she saw so many amazing things but oh, nice. she just didn't manage to see 39 clocks but right. she knew about them of but course, of course she knew about them or the city. You, yeah. you guys w- wouldn't be a couple together if she hadn't really well, <laughs> that's, well, that's one of the reasons yeah <laughs> I know yeah we find our our people we gravitate towards our people always right? eventually after the first eight or nine wives you finally hook well, up the right know. person <laughs> alright so let's listen to this second track it's called Dom. Yeah, if you get, you can get a little. If you break it down a little, it reminded me. I I know I'd written down uh, like suicide if they were fronted by Marky e. Smith of the Fall, but if instead of being drunk, he was like drugged, heavily drugged. Drunk, yeah, heavily, heavily <laughs> fucking drunk. Right. <laughs> Which came later, of course, right. for Marky. Uh, but uh, you know, I again, I think you you said it exactly right, Rob. They weren't really trying to emulate the sound of suicide. I. I because first of all, it's so inimitable. Why would you want to do that? You know? Right, right. They've already cleared that path. You know, they, they don't. Nobody else can follow that. Not really. 
but um, one thing that, that I do think you're right about exactly is that it just they had the same effect on their contemporaries suicide had on the audience that I saw because the show I saw suicide were opening for Blondie you know oh wow and that was that was just a fucking slaughterhouse yeah <laughs> but suicide I didn't even stay for Blondie because I thought they were kind of boring already by then and um, I, I was just there to see suicide of course and they were fucking unbelievable but a lot of the audience were like boo boo and and can you imagine hearing Dom in a club in 1980 in America? It would be like, that might be a bit of a stretch, you know? Right. <laughs> Even with No Wave, you know? Right, right. That had come you know, three weeks before or something, you know? So, yeah, I, this this song has so many layers. It's the incredible lyrics. Beautiful, beautiful all the way through. And, yeah, you could say suicide, but I think it's more like just, as we said before, they were steeped in urban kind of spaces, and steeped in the iconography of uh, American film noir and maybe uh, American uh, hard-boiled pulp novels or something. Certainly film of some story. Right. And a lot of music. And uh, the fact that they came up with this is uh, really pleasant. And you were mentioning the instrumentations, too, or the instrumentation. That organ sounds like a, a knife going through your head on that song. That dawn. That's just so nice. So these guys, yeah. yeah. I don't want to overcook the broth why don't you continue Ron? <laughs> okay well yeah no so now we get a little uh, palate cleanser if you will because oh, yeah. the album like i said if, if the record was all things like this like the first two songs that would be one thing and it would probably st still be great but they take all these different you know they they bring in obviously uh so much different things and this as a, a kind of a goof because what are they doing they're doing louis louis and they call it psychotic louis louis and it's basically just them covering louis louis in a very nuggets like way right uh it's it's very laconic and i love the i love the enunciation uh instead of we gotta go now it's like we got to go we know? got to go yes he putting the accent on the <laughs> right which really emphasizes not the going but the the have to yeah, exactly you know? Exactly. Let's just, you got to listen to a little bit of Psychotic Louie Louie. Right. Once you focus on the way he says, we got to go. Once you focus on that, you just can't <laughs> escape it. It like it, it like makes everything. Um, yeah, that's that's. <laughs> you know what? It's smart though to have a palate cleanser, right? Because you have two pretty, you know, heavy tracks, and then this just like really clears the air. And you could, I could see that some people might think this is bullshit, but it's. It's lighthearted and cool, and the the vocal alone makes up for any lack of you know uh, intensity, and that's just great. So yeah, yeah, I'm all, and, 
I'm all in. Right, right. And also you could hear you could hear they've got their uh, tongue in their cheek a little doing this and that's the thing about a band like this. You they obviously have a good sense of humor, a really good sense of humor. Very dry, yeah. but and if a band like this didn't, if they were just totally dour and serious, it would be, you know, you, you wouldn't want to listen to it. It, it. it would be miserable, but the fact that they have this, you could tell there's so much intelligence behind everything and they're doing everything deliberately by design that's that's what makes it great yeah i mean when when you think of bands that that maybe could have been something interesting but they ruined themselves because they were so fucking serious about changing the world or being like hardcore you know and, and right right term, in terms of their methodology or the way that they presented themselves like test department you know or i mean i never liked this band but like consolidated you know or the, the, the ultra fucking serious never any kind of humor maybe privately but certainly not publicly and and uh, you know there are many places where you can get your fucking molars removed you know you don't need yeah, it right. <laughs> it's like okay dude you know even stockhausen you know if you if you listen to his uh, lectures he's making people laugh you know I mean, there's yeah yeah they're, they're, they're almost I, 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 that's probably something that goes through just about everything we listen to is that uh, it's not completely taking itself seriously because you, know. you have to be a little self self-deprecating or else you're totally insufferable you know exactly so, yeah, I think these guys were not insufferable i think they were insufferable uh when it came to parties i think they knew how to tear the fucking party down and, and uh, close the bar and everything right. for quite a long time i think they had a lot of fun in that way but they were never uh, doctrinaire they were just you know they didn't have any time for that shit right? right 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 all right so this next one definitely you could hear the velvet underground they were sort of wearing it on their sleeve on this one and even just w- with the name of it but with also the uh, delivery of it uh, this is this is a great song. It's called Past Tense Hopes and Instant Fears on 42nd Street. fan of velvets uh that rhythm just the way the rhythm guitar is carrying the whole song like waiting for the man type feel uh it's it's just great it's brilliant and then but then the song also it's got that it goes into that chorus that's catchy it's very catchy it is you know i'm uh I'm, there's a, a they did their own fanzine you know it was called 39 back pages 
of 39, <laughs> of 39 clocks. And uh, Jürgen told me he was very influenced by Dylan, too, which makes perfect sense because right. back pages, 39 back pages. Uh, and the lyrics uh, of, of two of the songs are on here. And we don't really have the, the lyrics in front of us. We just have to sort of parse them as we can. And we've been having a good time doing that, haven't we? Last week and this week yes. already. But uh, if you just give me one second, I will read you a little bit from that song because the oh, lyric nice. is, is really fantastic. And I didn't have time to send this to you. And it's all in German, so I didn't want to kill you. But, no. <laughs> all right, uh, do it. <laughs> dead crippled bodies behind the screen. Dead crippled bodies of crippled glass and more. The bad silhouettes of bedroom floors cover all my past tense hopes, and the dead man walks down 42nd Street. The radio's silent activity makes me spring and dance, and the man behind the mask remains in memory and trance. Oh my God, that is that is awesome. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I know, and for for German guys, I mean, you know, Germans by and large, who are educated, speak English from like the third or fourth class, you know, of, right, of third right. or fourth grade. Uh, maybe it was the fifth back in the 80s, but now it's like earlier. So they know English, but they don't all say it or speak it well or write it well. These guys wrote fucking excellent lyrics. Oh, now. my God. Yeah, that's excellent. Now, they're just writing about New York just maybe from them reading, reading fanzines, magazines, because I don't think they're, they've actually been to New York. Probably not, but I, I don't know. But the way they're singing about it, it's great. They're like inhabiting it, you know? They really do, and it's... Uh... It's a it's a tribute to them because they clearly had a mission, you know. I mean, I, w I was listening to the first album by the other Hanover Neue Deutsche Welle band, or you know, the adjacent Kausman uh, Altraum that I mentioned earlier. Yeah. Their first album is called Yuri Gagarin, after the you know Russian, the first person ever to, to go into orbit or, or into space, you know? and the Russian guy, and that's the name of their first album, and it's a really good album. But every song is like a psychodrama, you know, in German. Oh, right. And uh, to contrast what 39 Clocks were doing with something like that, you can see how there was some insane animus going on between these two camps, if there was much of a 39 Clocks camp at the time. Right. Because really, I mean, it, night and fucking day, Rob, night and day. You know? Right, right, right. This episode of That Record Got Me High podcast is brought to you by our patrons at Patreon. What is Patreon? Well, I've only been telling you about it for the past three years, but Patreon is a platform that allows you to support artists and creators that you love. How do you become a patron? Well, I also mentioned this too. You go to patreon.com forward slash TRGMH or just go to patreon.com and search for That Record Got Me High podcast and become a patron of the show. It's fun. It's, well, I don't know how fun it is, really, but uh, it really helps out, and we appreciate you, and we have special patron-curated episodes, and we send out newsletters, and uh, it is fun. Let's, I'm just going to go on record as saying it's kind of fun. Go to patreon.com forward slash TRGMH and become a patron today. All right. So, uh, yeah, yeah, that's great. And I was thinking, Tom, uh, a, a hit, that song would be a hit single in an alternate universe. <laughs> oh, dude, dude. I, <laughs> right? mean, I, I, I think one of the things I sent you was some, some reviewer says, 
you know, uh, they're writing music for an audience that doesn't exist. Yeah, know? right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's perfect. All right. So now we get another, you know, as much, uh, they use the drum machine, but they also use live drummers on this as well, which adds, you know, breaks things up. And again, and we have this now again, which is another fun garage punk type feel, which obviously is in their wheelhouse and something that they really love as well. Can um, I say something quick about the drummer? It's It's not several, it's one. His name is... Well, he's now dead, unfortunately. He died oh. about 10 years ago. But Rudiger Klose, uh, K-L-O-S-E is pronounced Klose in German, like the football player, you know, And uh, if you like soccer. And uh, Rudy, I met him. Uh, I even played a couple of concerts with him, not in the same group, but just on the same stage, you know, oh, wow. and, uh, and a very nice guy. But he had health problems, and uh, unfortunately, he passed away around 2000. 10 or 11, I forget now, but uh, I was there at the memorial concert uh, and uh, you know, I, uh, my ex-bass player in my local band was also in several projects with Rudy and of course, so was uh, Christian, so was Jürgen, so yeah. Uh, oh, nice. He's right. the drummer on, he's the drummer on this and uh, one of the better drummers in all of uh, Germany in the 1980s, certainly on, on, on par with someone like uh, uh, Mr. Liebitzide from Cannes, a really great drummer. All right, well, let's raise a glass to Rudy and we'll listen yeah. to Virtuous Girl. Okay. And it could have just been this great little garage punk rave up, but then they bring those keyboards in and it sort of just takes it into a whole nother level, right? Yeah, that's great. And I, uh, I thought it was a Mellotron at first. We were talking about that on the previous taping, but uh, or the previous recording. But uh, Jürgen said, no, it was just a string synth that was in the studio, but it sounds so much like a freaking Mellotron. Yes, you know? <laughs> right, that's right. And, and that gives it this weird edge, like, okay, we've listened to the first King Crimson album 58 times, and we know what to do with this thing if we ever get a, help, a hold of one. Right. <laughs> and that was really good. I love that synth when they use it, because it doesn't sound like Eno. It doesn't sound... It's no, more no, like no, no. it's just melodic and it's really cool the way they use it, it especially is. with this very jagged kind of dark uh, rock music. You know, it's, it's so beautiful. I like it very much. And you said that and let's not be redundant. So take it away. Rob. All Thank right. We, well, we got more live drums on this next one and another gear shift again. Um, so they, they're clearly, they're clearly going wherever their instincts take them and they're not trying to be, you know, they're not trying to be one thing. They're just, uh, being them, which is obviously artists with what, what all, you know, artists, true artists do, right. They just, uh, they, they can't help it. They just, <laughs> whatever they need to do, they do. And they get it down there. That's right. All right. Let's listen to, uh, this one's three floors down.
to buildings, true buildings. know this I've, I've been listening to this so much now that i knew when the melodica was coming in right there <laughs> <laughs> you know um rob you and i uh you know only really kind of became uh, buddies again after i started after i did the first show because you know i had left this terrible answering machine message on rats uh phone years and years and years ago oh, no it was great <laughs> rat you miserable fuck Man, why don't you tell me this shit? I fucking called Lutz. The Holy Terrors, 9 to 2 every night this week, they fucking suck. There's nothing you can do to make them ever sound good. I'm sorry. Maybe apart from shoving up a fucking electrified fence pole up their assholes, turning the power to full, and recording the screaming. Otherwise, forget it. But I think we like a lot of the same kind of music. And this song, I think, is like the apex moment of this album, uh, three, three Floors Down. And uh, there's a the, the as you fade it out, this the lyric that means the most for this whole album because you know I'm a writer just like you are and I love really good words and he says as modern times contain no mysteries that's the lyric oh right that's their whole thing now it's like they were looking back to get in to get inspiration for tomorrow you know right right and, right <laughs> and that's a really 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 important point on this album and i think that's one of the things they like about it themselves is because that's a hell of a great fucking song uh, it is and yeah. also for for maybe uh, guys that didn't fashion themselves you know musicians like you know like like we were saying like prog musicians or something there's some sophisticated guitar bass drum stuff going on there i'm, I'm yeah, listening absolutely. to it now i'm listening to the guitar and the bass and i'm going man that is that's really good stuff there it is and if you think of all the groups that were screaming and shouting uh, on any part of the planet that were influenced by punk and what it became, I hate saying things like post-punk because I don't really believe in these stupid labels, but, but all the people that were intoning very heavily, apart from people like Throbbing Gristle or something, were doing it you know, in a really stentorian way. And these guys took the exact opposite tact. You know? And I love that about them so much and the lyrics in the song yeah you can laugh and say yeah the intonation the accent's very funny but the words are tremendous you know right and just everything about this song is a major major uh, achievement and they should be so proud of this and along with a song that we'll play later i think these two songs especially are among the best of that whole fucking decade bar none and that's hard to do, man. It's hard to make people remember your stuff when you know when because we have what a billion things yes. that are available to listen to every <laughs> hour now, yeah. you know. It's and true. this always stays in my brain. This song and those great words, you know, it's yep. really terrific. I hear you. And now, uh, now we get to the kind of dark 
epic. Uh, this is the dark epic of the record. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, there's so much going on in this song, and it's and its title sort of you know <laughs> sort of uh, tells you what what you're in for. Uh, let's listen to a little bit of Rainy Night Insanities. The trombone sands an insane message The president's head Bangs out of the galleries A trumpet's pleasant kick Returns the mystery So it's yeah, so it's almost unfair cool. just to play a little clip from it because obviously it's a very you know it's a, it, it takes its time and there's so much going on you hear like violas violins clarinet maybe I think that's a clarinet or it could be a, a sax but I think it's a, a definitely beautiful the way it comes in especially is really tremendous you know yeah, it when is. I when when I when I hear this song Rob there's something very specific that I that I uh, resonate that resonates in my mind and that's um, the version of Ocean by Velvet Underground from that live 1969 album. Oh, yes. Oh, my God, yes. It's like 14 minutes or something, and it just just murders that audience who are actually kind of perceptive, seeing as they're in Dallas, Texas in 1969. Right, and there was, I remember he was talking about the, the game. <laughs> they won the, the football game. game. <laughs> and the audience is like, we don't really care. We just came to see you guys. But it's and just mesmerizing and hypnotizing yeah. and and the and, uh yeah. length of it is like part of it it's like it's something that has to be like this song has to be as long as it is because they're taking you on this little journey yeah that this song is equally well no i you know i know some people might say don't compare 39 clocks to velvet underground but this song is equally emotive and, and captivating and transporting and yeah, it's a hell of a great thing for sure that, that they did. It's a shame we can't play the whole album for people, you know, but uh, that's well, not the that's way the show the, works. Uh, yeah, the, the thing about this show... Oh, and actually something I didn't mention that I definitely should mention, that I got uh, I got the tracks from this on Bandcamp, that they actually have a Bandcamp oh, yeah. that you could... So I definitely recommend everyone, uh, if you're enjoying some of this and, you know, or think you might enjoy it, go to their Bandcamp, which is just 39clocks.bandcamp.com. And uh, you can download Money this. well spent. Yeah, yes, yeah. for sure, for sure. You could even you could spend even more. I think I even spent a little more because it, it was reasonable, very reasonable. But uh, yeah, it, it's it's great, and uh, I I love doing that. When I can do it, when we do an episode, if I can buy the actual you know music from from a band camp where I know at least hopefully someone involved in the band gets some of it, then I will definitely do that. Absolutely, yeah. So I recommend that. And now we get a song. This this song just for its title alone uh, deserves praise. I mean. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this one has also the best opening line from 1980. 
Uh, absolutely. I guarantee you. What's the opening line? Well, you'll hear it when it comes <laughs> on. Just play it first. And then I'll, t- we'll talk about it. A touch of rot. Yeah. So what's that? What's the opening line? Bad songs attack my ears. <laughs> <laughs> that that could could have been written by you or Rat. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe both of us. You put both of us in the same room back in 1994 and said, "Here's a pen and here's some paper." That's the first line, probably. Right. You know? And and just the drum, the the way the drums come in at the beginning of yeah. that is magnificent. <laughs> That's Rudy Closa, and uh, yeah, d- d- fucking great, just great, 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 and uh, yeah. Once again, uh, yeah. Once again, like I said, the sense their their uh, their sense of humor is there. Their their you know that that dark sense of humor is is obviously there, and it's just what makes it so great, you know. I wish I could be a bit more like you know so bloated ass like Brian Eno, you know, very very carefully parsing his words, but, you know, I'm kind of reduced to that's really fucking awesome. I know, right? <laughs> I know. Sometimes, you know, whatever, whatever. Sometimes you just got to give props. You got to give props. The most profound things to say, but this is, this is, this is music that's really not meant for parsing and being profound. This music has its own profundity and it, it fills you with so much joy. Right. And, and, and excites you so much that you want to make, you don't want to make their music and you don't want to do better than them. It makes me want to make better music for me and everyone else when I listen to, to albums like this. You know, right. It's very exciting to have this kind of thing in your life to, to be able to refer to. And, and uh, the fact that they did it and they're still alive and they're still yeah. cool and they haven't become jaded and they're still approachable and they were never star-like and arrogant and shit. That's like how many bands don't have an asshole in the band? It's like very difficult to, to, to <laughs> well, considering I, that my band had all assholes. Well, yeah. Well, that, that's a thing too. Well, that I mean, can work still, also. <laughs> we still exist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that we've added some some people who are less assholic, which is not a word, into the mix. But yeah. And sometimes sure, two people know. in the band won't speak to each other for like six years. But you know that. <laughs> That's, that happens I've, as well. <laughs> that has happened in the past, maybe twice course, yeah. in the 30 years. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, after 30 years, you're a family. So what can you do? You got to stick together, you know? All right. So I was going to ask you what, and this, I don't know, it's, you've been in touch with them, but you may have to speculate. Why do you think they did stop like so soon after this? Do you think they kind of felt like they said whatever it is they wanted to say or did what they wanted to do? You know, I, I think they had some... Uh, now, again, I didn't ask Jürgen about this, so I don't want to speculate too much, but I think they, they had some business problems, like the one of the labels kind of fucked them over a little bit. 
maybe the Hanover label uh, that they were on initially. Uh, I don't want to say the name because I don't want to talk shit on, on the radio without having absolute uh, right, you know, right. verifiable information oh, wow. in front of me. But but I think they had some How you've problems. Changed, Tom. In, yeah, I know. Well, <laughs> I'm just saying, yeah. Adulthood finally reached me at age 99, strangely enough. And uh, I, I just think that, uh, you know, let, let's put it this way. If your first two records are painted dark and this one, you can take a fucking break. That's know? what, yeah, I was thinking that. And then also, in, you had sent me uh, these, uh, you know, articles and reviews. And one of the articles, I forget which one, it might have been Christian, but uh, he wasn't really crazy about playing live. He was more into just the recording. So he just wasn't into that so much. So the fact that they could have, you know, got going again and played shows, that wasn't his thing that he was really, uh, you know, into. You know, okay. So here's a six degrees story. So uh, I moved to Athens, Georgia in 1979. I, I heard this record. Uh, I knew about the first one, which I, I didn't buy, but I bought this one at a record store there in 82. But I was in Athens from 79 to 83 with a band called Boat Of. And one of the guys in the band later, was a guy named David Gamble. Uh, he was in a band called The Method Actors. They were really good. But yeah. after they toured Europe and released their double album called Little Figures, Dave left the band and joined my band, Boat Up. Right? And that was for about two years also. And then our guitarist, a wonderful woman named Carol Levy, died in a car accident. She was very young. It was like not even 30, and it was just terrible. Oh, you know? no. So the band stopped. And I started Peach of Immortality, and Dave flew to Germany. And he met Christian and joined this band called The Beauty Contest, who were also very oh, interesting. Wow. <laughs> and I would love to play some of that on the show sometime, because I love that band too, but it's probably too adjacent to this one. I'll but play anyway, a little bit. I'll play a little bit right now. Though. I'll have some of it. Yeah, make sure you get the first album. It's called Feel Fault. Okay. Feel Fault. That's a play on words, and the German the word Vielfalt uh, means variety. It's like just a goofy play on words. But Christian is on that he, he's in that group Christian Hemius so he and David knew each other really well so it's like six degrees of separation yeah right? well isn't it, isn't it crazy how life works like that Tom ain't it though that's right it is um, alright so we get to the final track on here and, and I'm glad we're doing this again just because I'm, I I want to go through it again on what what language he's actually speaking because <laughs> this is this is Italian and some it of it makes Italian. sense it, okay. it may it may be Strange Italian. I don't know. My, my it's Italian. German, have... well, it's heavily German accent Italian, which I'm going to be, I'm going to be totally honest with you. And this may make yeah. me seem like an idiot, but I, I <laughs> decided first, I thought this is some of it Japanese, but then I said, no, it's French. <laughs> well, I don't think it's so French, but um, at one point he says like, well, I don't want to say what I think he said. We'll just listen to it. All right, but, yeah, let's listen to a little but bit. I, I, can, I can make sense of some of the lyrics, so it, it, oh, okay. it can't be that weird. Okay. Aspadando Godot. That's it. Oh, nee. 
record a really good way to end because it's got their you know it's got the uh, drum machine back again and uh the uh, guitars and that little uh the keyboard melodica again i guess I, that's going on there but what did you get any more insight into why well yeah, well first of all uh what's the title Aspedanto godot. godot yeah well that means waiting for godot Oh, okay. Well, well, that, is, the, is the Italian verb for waiting, and then the, the Godot's Godot, yeah. So, oh, okay. Yeah. That, so it isn't. That, so you're right. Well, that's good. You didn't. You didn't say that on the first time. You didn't. So we were left totally no idea well, what was going on. Because because so I, I had to go a little bit. I mean, I didn't ask Jürgen. That's the truth. But I I just sort of pieced it together, you and then I looked together. up a little some of the words, and I was like, oh my god, yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, that's nice. I like that. That makes a little more sense to me. I don't like you know. I don't like not knowing, like not understanding at all. But yeah. Well, okay. I didn't. This was not the big reveal at the end. I'm. This is not the red rose. Moment, no, no, you know? no, I'm just, it's not. I'm it's just not. telling you, it's not that big a deal. And uh, I, I wanted to bring it up. So that's yeah, no, no, it, it's great. And like I said, the German accented Italian is, you know, brings it to a, a whole new level, a whole different level. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a. It also, if you listen to the very end of the song, which I know you've done now many times, but the fade is like really random too. Yeah, it's not like a right. clean fade out. It's like just <laughs> yes, exactly. I love um, that. It's it's so good. And also, uh, for those of you, if, if you do choose to get it now on the Bandcamp, they have a, a extra track, a bonus live uh, version of Past Tense Hopes and Mr. Fears on 42nd Street, which is cool because you get to hear, you know, get a taste of what they were like live. Uh, and it's uh, so that's great that they include that as well. And I'll play a little bit of that here as well. But um, yeah, that's, you know, sometimes you you uh, you dig into stuff and you think, man, I'd love to go back in time and have just seen these guys in some club. You know, the, the way you saw Suicide at CBGB's, like to see them similarly, you know, playing with these other bands in this club and probably the audience having the same reaction to it as, yeah, as course, the American audience did to Suicide. Or as an audience in, you know, whatever town uh, to live and shave in L.A. is playing at, you know, at one of your shows as well. <laughs> well, certainly in, in the beginning. Yeah. You know, in the I, mean, begin- uh, I know now it's like people now it's like people come and they like want like what is that like for you, Tom? Because the people want whatever it is you're putting out there. So do you have to try that much harder to, <laughs> well, <laughs> to turn I them mean, away or have you given but, up on that? But, but but I think that is a sign of uh, I don't want to say quality, but that is a sign that you're heading in the right direction if you're pissing people off right. initially, you know. Yeah. I mean, and Pussy Galore, we played a show in Jacksonville once, and the only audience was like the sound guy, a bartender, and seven skinheads that didn't even pay to get in, you know. Yeah. And that was our audience, and um, that. I mean, now people think of them in a very legendary light. I was only in the band for about eight months, but it's like, you know, um, I remember that so clearly that first tour. It was crickets and some, I mean, we know audience, you know. Right. Uh, or maybe 12 people or something, or mostly friends of the band, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and when, when To Live and Shave started, and, and I mean, for the first year, at Churchill's, it was just like a drunk, you know, doing this yeah. between songs, right? right? It was like nobody in there. But it gave us a perfect Petri dish 
to cure ourselves in, you know? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. and when we finally really did hit the road, we were fucking fire, you know? And it didn't take very long to get some attention, but I, I mean, really, in the early days, I mean, even with Pussy, I mean, even with Harry Pussy, they might have 12 people, you know? Yeah. And then after they would play, we would have like one person, yeah. a rugby guy, <laughs> right? a rugby player who was drunk, half asleep at the bar going, fuck you, you know? And that was pretty much our public for a very long time. So I know exactly what that shit feels like. Right. Ah, but it's, it's all part of the, uh, the, uh, you know, uh, what, what made, what turned Tom Smith into the man he is now today. Right. And it's nice when we do have an, you know, we sometimes have small crowds still. And, you know, the, the last tour of 2019 before COVID, we had some, uh, not perfectly well attended shows, but others were fucking packed. And that's a, always a beautiful, beautiful thing. So yeah, you know, it's, it it's is. nice when you get a, a little bit, even though you were such a fucking prick yeah, right. for 15 years before, you know? <laughs> exactly. Um, all right. One thing I didn't, I know I mentioned uh, the first time that I just want to mention now that uh, I thought when you had brought this band, 39 Class, I thought I never heard of them, but then I, uh, there's a show, Halt and uh, Catch Fire. That's on That's right. Halt Netflix. And yeah, it's actually a really cool show about the beginning of uh, computers, uh, you know, and uh, it's called Halt and Catch Fire. And they had a really good soundtrack and they included 39 Clocks on there. Uh, so uh, I hope Jürgen and Christian got a little bit of change. I hope so, right? <laughs> you said like the label their that's their band camp is now. What's the name of that label? Bureau B. Right. Okay. So there you you've heard good things about them. Yeah, right? I mean I have some, I have some friends uh a, a couple of pals of ours, Ronnie and Ruth and they have a band called uh, Data Shock or Dacha Shock as they say here and uh they're on Bureau B and they take good care of their artists. So I do hope that uh, uh that Jürgen and uh, Christian get a little bit of money from that. Well, that's that cool. Placement right? of and that I, song, yeah. And I'm excited. Uh, that I'm assuming you're, you know, that you're in contact with them, that they will be listening to this. So, cheers to you guys, and uh, hopefully, we didn't blow too much smoke up your asses. But you know, <laughs> hey, uh, what are you gonna, what are you gonna do? The truth's the truth, right? Um, yeah, they made a great album. They did. There you go. And Got my ass high. So, Tom, for any brave souls out there that want to dig into what you going on with you lately, what's the best? Uh, what's the best place for the, uh, them to go to? Well, the, well, that's a nice thing for you to ask. And uh, so, yeah, I have a Bandcamp too. It just uh, it says uh, Tom Smith KSV. That's my label, Carl Schmidt Verlag, named after my dad. Charles Smith would be Carl Schmidt. Verlag means publishing company. So, oh, okay. Uh, I, I Tom Smith that. KSV Bandcamp. Okay, that's where you can find there are hundreds of albums there. Yes, know. awesome. Well, Tom, as usual, it's a pleasure always a pleasure having you on you always bring something surprising same, and great same here rob I'm, I'm so happy that we made it through the pandemic we get we're both fully vaccinated so many of our friends are we're alive yeah yeah i think uh, for a while there i was thinking no th this is it it's gonna this, <laughs> this yeah, is the this end of the world the end. and maybe right. yeah maybe not uh so uh yeah it's great having you on again Thank uh, you so much. Yeah, thanks everyone for listening. Don't forget, guys, uh, on Instagram and Facebook, you could find me at uh, at that record got me high. Also, that Facebook group got me high. On Twitter, it's at trgmh podcast. You could email me at trgmh33 at gmail.com. Send me whatever. I get lovely emails. Uh, Tom, you wouldn't believe I get very nice emails from people saying they really enjoy the show. I, I'm actually shocking, <laughs> right? <laughs> 
<laughs> no, no, no. You know what? I, I, I get a lot of comments after the shows, too. People really seem to enjoy. I mean, maybe we're not hitting all the right notes, but they really enjoy the albums and they like the patter. And uh, yeah, it's so, the thing, you know, we're uh, well done, uh, sir. We're of a thing. We're of uh, our people, people that at the end of the day uh, can sit around and uh, bullshit about uh, something they love or music they love for a while. And that's kind of a thing. So uh, that's isn't that better than arguing about records? You know, I think, yeah, well, rat, if you want to have rat on, then that's what that's when it's arguing about records. When I have rat on that, he's my favorite person on earth to argue about music with. Oh, my God. Very, but in the two seconds I have left, I'll just say this do it on tour with To Live and Shave in LA 2006. I'm playing an album by the only ones, a really good post-punk band. Yeah, the only ones. Like 1979 it was. Rats like, these guys are obviously influenced by the American Music Club. (laughs) This is from 1979. What the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, but if they could, they would have been influenced by them. (laughs) Jesus. That's our rat. That's why we love them. All right, That's why uh, we love them. Thanks again, guys. Don't forget, you can go to patreon.com forward slash TRGMH. Go to Patreon. You can become a patron of the show, too. I really appreciate it. Tom, thanks again. It was great as always. See you guys Lovely to week. have you. That Lovely to be here. It's in German. Say, uh, say goodbye. Uh, sign us off in German, Tom. Auf Wiedersehen. Tschüss. <laughs>